0: Whoever dropped the garden hose off to my desk this morning, thank you. You never know what's going to happen when you get here on a Sunday. Good morning. Hey, you guys, I'm excited to be here. I have a new shirt from Goodwill. Cut my hair off. Right, shave my hair. And I look, i have up to like 10 cups of coffee already. So if I'm jittery, if I have to run up to the bathroom, sorry, just bear with me. All right. Uh, If you, let's just get into this, if you love insects, if you like insects, bugs, let me just see a show of hands. All right, you and me, sir, there's a couple of us here. All right. You know what? I don't know if it's just a guy thing. If I'm wired that way, I've always liked bugs. I've always thought that they were um, interesting, fascinating, even the weird ones. If I I see an ant pile and I kick it, I'm mesmerized by just ants, you know? Uh, They're neat. Right, I don't want them to touch me. Okay, don't get me wrong, but I just I like seeing them. Uh, and and God made all the insects right on day five and day six. He created all the creatures, including the insects, and they all have a role. Right? they all have a part to play. They all do something. Okay, take the fire ant, for example. We don't have fire ants right here in Maine, but in the South, if you're, if you're outside anywhere, you're waving at a friend, you're talking to the mailman, and all of a sudden your leg feels like it's being dipped in hot molten lava, you're standing on a, a red ant, a fire ant hill, right? Welcome to the South. We've all done it. As a kid in Louisiana, I buried my dog's uh, bone in a fire ant mound. So I'm an expert, okay? So the neat thing about fire ants is they're not content to just bite you, okay? They bite you. It's very painful, but they only bite you to hold on while they inject you with venom, okay, while they sting you. There you go. And, and you can do this all you want. They don't come off. You've got to pry each one off, all right? They're terrible creatures. Not my faith. Okay, now my favorite is, called, is, it, is an insect called an anisoptera. I'm going to count to three, and you guys all say anisoptera, okay? One, two, three. Excellent, perfect. I'm not sure if that's exactly how you pronounce it. I just wanted to hear you guys say it. Uh, We're going to call them nymphs. Okay, that's the nickname for them. Nymphs live in fresh water. Okay, they're they're ugly, right? They look like a spider uh, that merged with a caterpillar. Okay, and uh, they just swim around and eat stuff. Okay, they eat uh, tadpoles, right? They eat fish. They eat blood worms. Basically, if they can hold on to it and it fits in their mouth, they eat it, right? Now, what's neat, somewhere between six months and five years, they mature. They decide, okay, this is enough. I'm going up, all right? So they go. They climb out of the water, and their skin dries out. And not long after that, they turn into a dragonfly, all right? Coolest of all the bugs, right? right. Absolutely, This is the, the Eddie Bauer or the, the Tom Cruise, the Francis Chan of insects right here, okay? Uh, now, a close second would be the praying mantis, right? Praying mantis is pretty cool. Uh, third place would be the walking stick, okay? Uh, but but the, the, the dragonfly, the role of the dragonfly is about the same. Uh, when it's in water, it eats stuff. And when it's a dragonfly, it flies around and eats stuff. They eat more mosquitoes than anything but a bat, all right, which is really cool. Maybe a bird, too, but I didn't want to add two. I just wanted to add one. All right, Uh, so God creates the insects. They know what to do. They know their role, okay, and and God made people also, but we don't always know what we're supposed to do. We sometimes struggle. That's because we have free will. You guys heard of that? Uh, We have the ability to think abstractly, um, and we can reason. We can reason ourselves into lots of trouble, right? Anyone here reasoned themselves into trouble? All right, about three or four of us. I reasoned myself and justified myself and and thought abstractly into a lot of trouble as a young person, Uh, even on up into middle age. I made a big mess of things. And it wasn't until I was here when I started searching for something bigger than myself, okay? Because what goes on up here, you guys don't even want to know, all right? Trust me. And, and I, d- I needed something bigger than my peers and my friends and society because society's kind of wacky, right? And I, and I even needed something bigger than the world because the world will pull you in all sorts of crazy directions, right? So uh, I found God, okay? And, and that's when I found Uh, my direction. That's when I found uh, what I was looking for. So at this point, you're probably thinking, what in the world is he talking about, right? We got bugs and ants and dragonflies. We're talking about role, okay? Not this kind of role. We're talking about our function, okay? Our part to play here on this earth, okay? What we're supposed to be doing. Uh, Do you know your role? Do you know your role? Uh, some of you do. Many of you do in here. I know you, and I know that you know your role. Uh, if you do, thank God. Praise God. Amen. It's a good thing to know your role. Okay. Now, for those of you who don't, those of you who struggle, some of you may be confused about your role. Uh, some of you may have doubts. Some of you may struggle with this so much that you're, just, you're filled with frustration, and you're filled with anger and angst, And you just don't know what to do. I know that because some of you uh, come and see me. Maybe you don't even know the difference between role and identity, purpose. Even that whole thing is just confusing. So what we're talking about today is what we're supposed to be doing. What we're supposed to be doing. And today, the good news is that today before you leave this room, you're going to know your purpose. You're going to know what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. Now, hopefully, that knowledge uh, is going to change your life forever like it did mine. Okay? And I remember when it happened, and I remember where I was sitting when I heard a similar sermon, and it changed my life uh, and my family's. Uh, and hopefully, you're going to look back in 20, 30, 40 years, and you're going to say, Man, I remember when the change came. I remember the day. I remember the time of the year. I remember there was a uh, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Right, I remember that. I remember there was a blizzard. All right. He was talking about dragonflies and ants and dragons and whatever else. And then he talked about roll, and that's when things clicked into place. Did you guys see the fat lizard? That's the goal. Okay, that's what we're here for today. Now, fortunately, uh, the Bible, God, through the Bible, gives us a lot of information about role. He tells us exactly and specifically what we're supposed to do, but we don't have time to cover all of it today. Okay, it would take six or eight months to cover that uh, uh, thoroughly for P.B. maybe a little longer, right? Maybe a little longer. Um, We're going to look at highlights, okay? But don't feel like you're going to get shortchanged. I promise you won't get shortchanged. We're going to cover more than enough uh, to figure this out, okay, and to move forward. We're going to start in Genesis. So you can open your Bible, uh, open your app. If your phone makes some noise, don't worry about it. We will have uh, verses on the wall behind me. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles out in the lobby. Okay, so don't go home without a Bible today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it rain over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground this is our starting point Okay, this is ground zero this is critical we're not like fish and birds and animals Okay, now don't get me wrong I love animals Okay, I'm an animal freak okay? I'm a I've never met an animal I didn't like uh, when I take my daughter to gymnastics this is Trixie if she can, she'll come up and maul me. And I love her. She loves me. I love her. It's cool. Okay? I, in fact, I bump into animals pretty much anywhere I go. <laughs> okay? Bad joke. Sorry. Uh, no, but I love animals. But we're not like animals. Okay? We're like God. We're made in God's image. Okay? And there's a distinction there. Humans are set apart. We're different. And that means our role is different. More is expected of us. God says, be fruitful and multiply, okay? We all know what that means. And then he says, reign over this other stuff. What's our role? That's our role. Be fruitful and govern the earth. Now notice, you guys, God isn't concerned here with uh, career choices or... Personal preferences or hobbies or our feelings. He says, Be fruitful and multiply and reign. Okay, now if the reign part is concerning to you, if you're getting hung up on that, um, you might be thinking, Look, I'm not a king. I can't reign. Only kings can reign. You know who came up with that? Kings, right? Kings said, I reign. You do what I say or I kill you. Okay? God says, reign. Okay? Uh, Samuel the prophet, Old Testament, he told the Jewish people, you do not want a king. Because kings are going to take your daughters, they're going to take your money, they're going to take your property, they're going to rule over you. Do you guys remember that? wasn't a very good idea. Right? They said, we want a king, God gave them a king, didn't turn out too well. Okay? Uh, So reign, you guys, it just means to have power over something or someone. Okay? Do you have children? Do you have older parents that you take care of? If so, you reign over them. You have power over them. Do you have property, a house, land? You reign over your land. you have power over those things? Uh, I have power over these drums. Okay, I can play them. I can move them. I can pick them up and carry them around. Okay? Don't tell Pastor Bill I did that, please. <laughs> and... uh Pets, right? Who has pets? All right. I have a pet. The a pet is coming up here in a minute. That's Gizmo and Meowford. They wake up and they fight until it's bedtime. Okay. I reign over them. They don't acknowledge my reign. Okay. But if you have pets, if you're a hunter, you reign over animals, okay? You reign so we reign over things. Here's the key. You want to reign over things with wisdom. And kindness. That's what it means to reign. Okay, it doesn't mean you're the king. Everyone in the house has to do what you say, and you rule over everyone. Okay, uh, it means you have power over those things. So I don't want to confuse this. I don't want to go too far here. I want to stop with the uh, Old Testament right there. Let's move forward a few thousand years. Okay, New Testament, Matthew, Gospel. First book in the New Testament. Okay, Matthew was one of the friends of Jesus, lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus. Okay, and he wrote this gospel. The first book in the New Testament is the story of the life of Jesus. It's the good news. Starts before he was, Jesus was born. It ends after he died. You guys have all heard of it. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew verse uh, chapter 10, verse 25. It is enough... For the disciple to be like the teacher. For the servant to be like the master. So Jesus says this to his disciples when he sends them out. Okay? And he sends them out. He says, you're going to go out into the world and you're going to preach that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom of God has arrived. Go tell people what I'm telling you. Okay, and the disciples had questions and they had concerns and they had thoughts and they were worried. And they, they, they probably thought something like this. What do we bring? You know, We should go home and get stuff. What, what exactly should we bring? How much money should we bring? What if I don't have money? Should I bring extra clothes, extra sandals? Uh, uh, well, what about my family? Do I bring them? What, what about my kids? My wife's at home. What do I do? What if the people don't like me? What if they want to drag me out in the street and stone me to death? You guys have questions? Those are serious questions. You probably have questions. What if I lose my job? What if my husband leaves me? What if my kids get sick? What then? Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. And you're going to be hurt and injured and insulted. Life's going to be like that. Life is tough. Anybody having any struggles right now? Any issues? Any problems? They persecuted me. They will persecute you. That's just the way it is. So what are you supposed to do? This is Jesus talking to his disciples. What are you supposed to do? It is enough to be like me. It is enough to be like me. So you may be asking, what does this have to do with role? Well, this has everything to do with role, you guys. Jesus is the ultimate ruler. He created everything. He reigns over everything. He's the Lord of lords. He's the King of kings. You've heard that. He reigns over everyone and everything. And here's what he says. His disciples have questions. They're confused. They don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do? It's enough to be like him. So what do we have so far? We have be fruitful and multiply. We have reign. And we have it is enough to be like Jesus. Now I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to change things so that it's really easy for us to remember, because if it's too much to remember, it's not really going to do us a lot of good. Okay, I'm going to take one off the table right now. I'm going to take Be Fruitful and Multiply off the table. You don't need to memorize that. Okay, You guys already know that. We're doing a pretty good job. There's 7.5 billion people, I think, on the planet. Um, one birth every 8 seconds and one death every 11 seconds. So on the, on the website that keeps track of that, it says we have one net gain human per 15 seconds, right? Doing pretty good, I think. Don't need to worry about that. It's important. It's critical. Without humans, this is all moot, but we're taking it off the table. Now, instead of having rain over from the Old Testament, and it is enough for the student to be like the teacher on this side, we're going to put them together. I'm just going to merge those two together. I'm going to simplify it, and it's, and, and here's your role. I told you when you left, uh, by the time you left, you would know your role. Here's the role, and this is the role of every human. God's blue earth. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. What does that mean? It means to use the gifts that you have like Jesus would it means live your life like Jesus would it means treat people and things like Jesus would it's not confusing guess who makes the Bible confusing Satan and us are you blessed with a wife She is God's. She is not yours. Take care of her. Are you blessed with a husband? He is God's. Take care of him. Do you have children? They are blessings from God. They are not your property. Take care of them. Do you have money and power and an amazing job and influence? Use them wisely. Take care of people with them. Take care of your church. Do you live in fear? Or filled with worry and stress? Why? That's not from God. All right. We could go over thousands of things like that. Things we do well. Things we don't do well. Okay, but let me just kind of boil this down. To be like Jesus means to take care of people and animals and places and things that God puts in your life. Okay, that's it. Take care of people and animals and places and things that God puts in your life and take care of yourself. Okay, that is your role. And and to even simplify it further, in everything you do, everything you do, even that, be like Jesus. Homework. Um, When you think of Jesus, probably one of the first characteristics uh, that comes to mind is love. Okay? Uh, Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor, love. Everywhere it's love. He loved us so much. He demonstrated that love by allowing himself to be crucified, right, for us. Uh, so, love is a good place to start. Unfortunately, there's a whole chapter in the Bible on love, okay, uh, and Jesus wanted that there so that we could learn from it and use it. It's 1 it's, uh, Corinthians, New Testament, 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. It's called the Love Chapter. And about five years ago, uh, Pastor Ron gave a sermon. I don't know if you guys remember, but when I'm done, you probably will. Uh, Pastor Ron is the guy who retired, and I'm now in his office, and uh, he's, he's a really funny. guy. Do you guys know Pastor Ron? Let me see who knows Pastor Ron. Okay, uh, very self-depreciating. I remember two things from the sermon. First one was he said, "You know, Pastor Bill was gone, Brent was busy, and I'm the only thing they have left." Right. So he was th- there was really no other option at that point. Um, everyone loves Pastor Ron. So, uh, and then he talked about the love chapter. And I, you know, my eyes were rolling up in my head because it's not something I was interested in. I was hiding way back there. He gave us all a sheet of paper. And it had a part of the love chapter, but there were blanks in the place of the word love or in. It looks kind of like this. Okay. Now, I saw this, and I perked right up because I knew the answer. There was probably two or three things you could ask me about the Bible, and this was one of them. Okay, I know I know the first like sentence from Genesis, and this. I thought this is going to be simple, man. We got it made. All you got to do is put love, right? Love, 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 love. Perfect. All right. So I was had the pen. I'm ready to go. At the end of the sermon, he says, "Okay, now, if it applies, put your name in the blank." I see heads nodding because you guys remember. So I was like, what? You can't do this in church. You set us up, you know? So I get the pen, and I go to write Ben in the first blank. Ben is patient. And out of the corner of my eye, I see my wife. Okay? And I kid you not, she's doing this. Right? Okay? And then, so I moved to the next one. I was like, nope. Nope. No. And, you know, so I realized, okay, I can't do any of these. And I folded it up and put it in the Bible, you know, and uh, Ron got me good, you know. So, and I remember that that was one of those moments. That I hope is one of those moments for you. I was I was failing, big time, incredibly challenging and convicting. Uh, so, your homework now. I'm not as nice as Pastor Ron. I'm not handing out papers. I'm not giving you the whole chapter. I want you to look at four through seven. It starts right here. Four through seven, just three little verses. And see if you can put your name where you see the word love or it. Okay, and if it fits, then you get to move on to the next one. And if that fits, move on to the next one. And whenever you get stuck, for me it was the first one. Okay, and I'm still not through it all the way, I don't think. But there's more than this. You know where your homework is. If you're not patient, there's your homework. If you're not kind, there's your homework. Okay, and so on and so forth. This is how you start to become like Jesus. He created love. He demonstrated love. He showed us how to do it and he wrote it down so we could, so everyone uh, would not have an excuse. No excuses. All right, so I'm going to close this out with a story. It's a love story. I know you guys all want to hear a love story. Um I think Don, if you're praying, you want to make your way down here. Um This is a love this is written by uh, a playwright named Tennessee Williams. Anybody know who Tennessee Williams is? Uh, The Glass Menagerie, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, uh, Streetcar Named Desire, I think is one of them. So this story he wrote, it's uh, it's called Something by Tolstoy. And Tolstoy was another author uh, kind of from that era. It goes something like this. There was a man named Jacob. He was a young man. His father owned a bookstore, and his father wanted him to carry on uh, in the family tradition and take over the bookstore, uh, so it would stay in the family. Jacob didn't really care about the bookstore. Jacob cared about Lila. He wanted to marry Lila. Uh, That was his heart's desire. So Jacob goes off to college, and he's uh, making it fine. His father gets sick, passes away. So Jacob has to come home to see to the matters, uh, the affairs associated with that, and he decides, you know what, I, I need to honor my father, and and take over management of this bookstore. Then he marries Lila, and they move in upstairs uh, in an, a little apartment above the bookstore. Now this is perfect for Jacob. He he loves to read. He's introspective. It's pretty much a win-win. He's got Lila there, so everything is wonderful. But Lila is ambitious. Okay, she she's a. Wants to do things. She wants to make a difference. And a producer who happens upon the bookstore hears her singing to herself and he says, Lila, you need to be on the stage. You need to be touring across the country and you need to be in Europe. Your name needs to be in lights. And she catches that vision, so she decides to leave. And of course, this breaks Jacob's heart. Okay, so. uh, when they last, you know, when she's saying her goodbyes, it's a very emotional for Jacob. He, he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a key to the bookstore and he says, I'm going to give you this key. You're going to need it. This is a key to the bookstore. See, your love is not so different than mine that you can just leave. So you'll come back and I'll wait for you. So she gives him a kiss and she leaves. And Jacob walks over to his desk. It's a giant desk. And he sits down and he starts to read. And like an alcoholic drinks, Jacob just reads and reads and reads. And he's consumed by reading books and waiting for his heart's desire. Fifteen years later, Lila comes back. And she walks into the store. And he stands up from his desk. And he says, can I help you? And now Lila's heart is broken because she realizes he's forgotten her. He doesn't recognize her. So she composes herself and she says, I'm looking for a book. And it's about a, a woman and a man. And they're, they get married. And they move into an apartment above a bookstore. And then the woman leaves to, to follow her dreams. And then she comes back. And she can tell by his face that he doesn't get it. He's forgotten his one true love. He's forgotten what he's been waiting for. And she says, you have to remember. Surely you remember the story. It's the story of Lila and Jacob. And he thinks for a minute. He's trying to remember and he says, you know, it It rings a bell. It, 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 it's, I'm familiar with it. I think it's something written by Tolstoy. So she hands him the key and she leaves. Now, if I wrote the story, they would get back together, it'd be a happy ending, but this one isn't. That's why I'm not a great author. Sometimes we get so distracted with life, we get uh, uh, so completely lost that we forget who we are. And we forget what we want, we forget what we care about and we forget our first love we even forget that we had a first love why? because of bills our job, cars drugs, our friends politics, in this case books and grief Don't let that happen to you. Don't wake up on your deathbed 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road and think, what happened to my life? What have I done? Don't waste another second apart from your true love.
1: Something shortly about that role, about the scriptures talking about love and And patience. Long time ago, when we began our company, which is called Treesland, we put a little caption at the bottom of the card. and it says, "Cultivating our main forest for today and tomorrow." And I borrowed that from Genesis 2:15 where the scripture says that he took the man whom he had made and placed him in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. And I thought that really fit because that's kind of the way we see ourselves. So I think through this idea, am I a logger who happens to be a Christian or am I a Christian who happens to be a logger? It's really different depending on how you look at that. And I got busy about that and we... Been logging now for a long time, and living out our faith best way we knew how. And I had an incident with a fellow that I won't name. He was supposed to show up at a certain time. He didn't show up, and it really, it really uh, interrupted my day. And when he did show up, he referred to me with some cynicism. I won't give all the details, but he referred to me as Buddy and relate a little bit maybe and I did not react with patience and kindness I know and I said some things and I did some things and then I got thinking about that and a day went by and two days went by and several days went by I said oh yes the Christian and my conscience was not clear and it didn't leave me uh, any option so I I knew who he was and Found out how to get in touch with him. Made a telephone call within a mile of his house. And I said, when he answered the phone, actually his wife answered the phone, and I said, is so-and-so there? And she said, yes. I could hear children in the background. And this guy picked up the phone and said, hello. And the first thing I said was, please don't hang up. My name is Don Cole, and I'm the guy that uh, you and I, you know, the incident we had the other day. And I explained to him without any excuses. I said, what I did, I am ashamed of. I was, if I told you the whole story, you might say, well, that's not so bad. You were justified. I'd already worked through all that for several days. And I was living out my role. Hey, and he listened to the whole thing. And when he told me afterwards, he said, you know, I contacted the police. I was going to have an assault charge. I didn't know any of that. Uh, and he said, "Also, the guy that you're working for told me that you was a religious man." And, you know, he said to me, "There is no, and I will say, blanking way that that is a that he is a Christian." I've never forgotten that. You know, so God help me, and maybe anybody else that that story resonates with, to really live out that role. Because even though I backed up and I made those apologies, there was still the damage done. You know, I know God can use that, but it would have been a lot easier if I had remembered in the heat of the moment who I was and what I was. So thank you, Pastor Ben, for uh, ringing those bells again. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you are a patient God, and uh, uh, pray that you've take the things that Pastor Ben has brought to our attention and that your word would find a place in our heart that we would do the backing up now so that we could live it out in roles, in in ways that bring glory to your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.